Ohio people with Mennonite views, and they're gonna give us some missional news. Ohio Conference Cast. You are listening to Ohio Conference Cast, a podcast dedicated to sharing missional stories and other information about Ohio Mennonite Conference. Welcome to another episode of the Ohio Conference Cast. I'm your host today, Jacob Dotson. I serve as pastor at Worcester Mennonite Church, and I have the honor of having Dick Barrett with me today. Welcome, Dick. Welcome, Jacob. It's good to be here today. Thank you so much. Really, our focus today is going to be on reflecting on the process and the conversation that will be taking place at our upcoming annual conference assembly. And so we have a number of questions that we'll be covering today related to that. But just as we get started, I wanted to mention something that our assistant moderator, Paula Snyder-Belusic, shared in an email as we were getting ready for today. She said in her email, I think it would be helpful to reflect on holy indifference. Just as we're getting started, Dick, would you be willing to just mention briefly what holy indifference is? And then I thought maybe after that, I could open us with a prayer about holy indifference. So, Great great question, Jacob. Um... Yeah, we've gone through this season of group discernment where we've worked together trying to discern God's will for us as a conference moving into the future. And one of the practices that is part of group discernment is the practice what is known as holy indifference, which one of the women, uh, Ruth Haley Barton is her name, is has written a book about group discernment, but it really goes back much further than her. It goes back to Ignatius of Loyola way back into the 1500s. But basically, the idea of his holy indifference is that we are indifferent to anything and everything but the will of God, as revealed in Scripture and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Something that's much easier to talk about than it is to do, because we all bring our own ideas, backgrounds, thoughts, and it's all intermixed with who we are and what we expect an outcome of a discernment to be. Really what holy indifference is about is ultimately that no matter what we think about a specific topic or a discernment is we really only want the will of God. And so we need to pray for it. We need to work at it. It's a challenge constantly when we do Christian discernment. I like that, how you described holy indifference. And it makes me feel like there's a huge aspect of this that is related to trust we don't know the outcome as individuals. Like we don't have control on that of that. But there is this invitation to trust that God's grace is going to be sufficient in the midst of that as we seek to surrender. It makes me think a little bit of that Anabaptist value that we have, glassenheit of yieldedness, the sense of we want to be yielded to what God is doing. And so I was just thinking maybe as we're getting ready to talk about ACA and reflect on these questions, it might be nice to open with prayer and maybe prayer focused a little bit on this idea of holy indifference. So I actually looked up something on the Ignatian Spirituality website. So if it's all right, we'll open with that. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity today to share on the podcast what you're doing in our conference and how we're sensing your presence. And We thank you too for this opportunity to hear from Dick about uh, where the leadership team has also been sensing your leading and and the preparations they made for our annual conference assembly. And just in the midst of this conversation, we want to surrender to you. We want to surrender the 
outcomes of our hopes and our fears and our worries. And we want to trust you, Lord, that no matter what happens, that your grace will be enough for us. And so during this time of sharing, we pray that that would be true for our listeners. We pray that that would be true for me and for Dick. And um, that will be true for all the delegates when they're assembled at the beginning of March at Central Christian School, that we can truly be surrendered to you and that we can trust that your grace will be enough for us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Just to get started, maybe we could think a little bit about your personal journey, Dick, as our conference has gone through this time of discernment. Uh, what did you learn about yourself as a minister through this process? Well, I discovered that it's one thing to read about and study about group Christian discernment. It's another thing to participate in it and do it. As ministers of Jesus Christ, our primary calling is ministers to the ministry of reconciliation, and that puts us often having to listen to different perspectives on, on different issues. Um, and it's been a hard season, uh, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, for all our pastors and leaders and congregations, especially after the season of COVID and then the societal upheaval that we've experienced in this country over the last couple of years. Um, it's very hard to stay self-differentiated in the midst of it all. Christian group discernment is a spiritual practice that we all need to grow in, and that includes myself. That's good. And it seems like it's been a stretching experience as you're talking there, but also a meaningful one and a rich one. I would want to ask a little bit more broadly now if we could zoom out and think about the conference as a whole. How have you observed the communication in the conference and the listening that's taken place throughout this process as we as a community of churches interact with each other and reflect on this together? Well, I would say that that has been the blessing myself and for our moderator, Sims, and for our consultant, Jeannie Zimmer-Leonsi, who've been able to participate or observe all the gatherings that we had since last April. I didn't even realize how many it was until I read her most recent report, and she said we had 21 gatherings. And so, but I would say from all our credentialed ministers when we started gathering last summer to our fall delegate meetings, and then again to our winter delegate meetings that just ended, just to be able to see and observe Everybody seemed to be participating well. They were able to listen well, very respectful of one another. And to me, that was the blessing of this discernment process so far. It's just that, that there's a really genuine effort by all our constituents to really want to, dis, to discern God's will together. That's really encouraging to hear. And maybe if we turn the question a little bit uh, in a more spiritual discernment way and reflect maybe um, not just about us as people, but about God's activity in the midst of this, I'd like to ask, are there times that you've sensed the Holy Spirit at work? And if so, what has that been like? That's a difficult question to answer <laughs> because I, I think we have, I think we have pretty much reduced our sense of the Holy Spirit to our emotions and our feelings. And I think when we do that, they, we are ca capable of some error, maybe even some great 
error. Um, so what is what is the God's word, written word that we find in the Bible and the word of Jesus Christ himself in trying to discern the Holy Spirit's leading? And I think that's why holy indifference is such an important practice. And yet, I will say that I, I think, I, I sense this in all the gatherings, just how we did relate to one another. And I'd also say, um, I sense the Holy Spirit's leading in our two-year review process in the selection of Jeannie Zimmerlianzi as our consultant, the gifts and the Holy Spirit's presence that she has brought to all our gatherings. I really appreciate um, what you said there at the end, too, about um, being encouraged in the gatherings when we've been together. I would answer the question, um, Definitely from that point of view, because when I've been with our other peers and having the delegates together, I've sensed a real sweetness in the, in the fellowship as, as people have been gathered. And it reminds me of that phrase that Paul uses in the New Testament, um, in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and that word that is used as koinonia, that common yes. participation in yes. the Spirit. And yeah. I think that that does um, breathe life yeah. into our, yes. our conference when we have yes. those gatherings. And I think that um, when we were doing some of the work early on in the discernment process at the pastor's gatherings in Upper Sandusky, that was one of those values that kept coming up. We love our time together, yes. that corporate sense of gathering and a real sweet fellowship. And, 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 and there was not a gathering that I left, whether it was the pastor's gatherings or the delegate gatherings or when Jeannie met with the leadership or the different leadership groups from conference. There was not a gathering I left that I didn't feel good about God's presence being among us. Yeah. Well, um, now that we've had a little time to reflect on how the process has impacted you, how you've sensed it working in our conference, how you've recognized God at work in it, let's think a little bit about the actual um, choices and, and options and decisions that are being brought before delegates that have emerged out of the process. So can you give us an overview of the two main choices related to affiliation that are being proposed to the delegates at our annual conference assembly? Well, I'm really hoping that our delegates will take the time to review the discernment packets that we sent out a couple of weeks ago and that they will share that with their congregations. There's a lot of information in there, but I'll give you an overview of the two options that are being proposed. One is, which is being identified as scenario one, is to stay affiliated with MCUSA as is. And that also includes the Ohio Conference option that we have already that allows congregations to opt out of direct involvement with Midnight Church USA if they choose. Those congregations that opt out of direct involvement do do not send delegates to MCUSA delegate assemblies. They should not have their people from their congregation appointed to MCUSA boards. And then we've also asked MCUSA not to include them in the reporting of member congregations and the, and the percentage that they give to Ohio Conference is not figured in the amount that we pass on to Midnight Church USA. However, they still have access to benefits and resources from Midnight Church USA through Ohio Conference's membership with Midnight Church USA. That's option one pretty much it's where what most people are familiar with it's where it, it is right now the other option that we are asking delegates to discern is to leave mcusa 
to become temporarily independent with the important word there being temporarily and then spend two to three year period intentionally seeking a new denomination network or collaborative model to affiliate with. And the reason that we put the two, three, two to three years in there is because there still is a lot unknown. One of the unknowns is that there are currently other conferences of Mennonite Church USA, Mosaic, Virginia, and South Centro, who are in different stages of their own discernment processes regarding future affiliation with MCUSA. Might there be a possibility of a future collaboration if they were to choose to withdraw? And then there are other groups, denominations, networks, conferences, who might be a good fit for Ohio Conference. The strategic planning team was only able to have really preliminary discussions with a few of them. And so more, I think more time is needed to make a much more well-informed decision. And it's been funny because almost everyone, when we've mentioned the two to three years, has kind of cringed. Um, but I think if we're going to continue as a conference of Christ, then he deserves a very intentional, well-informed decision. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Uh, and I really appreciate, uh, you mentioned earlier, the packet that was distributed throughout our conference I really appreciate the thought that the leadership team and those involved with the process have given to helping individuals reflect on these options. And in the packet, there is one section that deals with minimum specifications, which I think are very helpful tools to help us process, okay, what do these decisions mean and how do they relate to various commitments that we have? And then also in the packet, there's um, what is called a traffic light survey. And so I wanted to ask you, what do the minimum specifications mean to you and how can individuals use them and the traffic light survey when they're giving feedback to their congregational delegates to help them get ready for ACA? Yeah, I, I think the minimum specifications worksheet is a good tool, um, but I also think it's limited by the two scenarios that we have presented. Th that was developed the minimum specifications was by the strategic planning team. Um, when we asked our ministers and delegates back last year, what, what is important to them in seeking a body to relate to outside of ourselves? And, and we, we were able to reduce it down to eventually we had, we had originally like 20 and then it came down to 16 or 14 um, what are the minimum specifications? If we are looking to affiliate with a group that's larger than us, what are the most important? So it's a it was a good tool for us as a strategic planning team. I, I think it's a very good tool for those of us that are discerning now, specifically when it comes to the one stay as is, because we are very familiar with Midnight Church USA. We know what that affiliation is about. How, how do the minimum specifications line up with Midnight Church USA? It's a little bit more difficult in scenario two right now because we're not sure who that group is. And so you can use it to the place of, okay, are there some in that group that line up pretty well with it? But I think it's just a tool that can help us get to the place of discerning together which options we think God is calling us to. And I also think it could be important in the future if we, if the delegates choose scenario two, 
then we can use that tool when we're looking at other groups to affiliate with. How do they line up with the minimum specifications? Excellent. So the minimum specifications are kind of a distillation of the conversation that we've had with our leaders in the conference, our pastors and licensed individuals who saying these are common points that draw us together. And then the individual um, delegates and people reading this packet can say, oh, these can maybe help us reflect on the options too as a yes. whole conference. Yes, ah. those are the things that came up over and over again from the ah. feedback that we received. Right. And then would you also be willing to say a little bit about the uh, traffic light survey? The traffic light survey is, we, we have people that are in different places and for different reasons. And some feel very strong one way or the other. Some people are kind of in the middle, still kind of early in the discernment process. How, how do we get a gauge of where our people are at? And so actually the traffic light survey was, I know I'm sure it's something that Jeannie didn't develop herself, but she is the one that has brought it to this. And it's a nice way of, as we continue on in the discernment process, it's very important that we, we always just assume we know where everybody in their group, whether it's in our congregation or the conference or even the denomination, we just assume we know where people are at. And the traffic light surveys allows us an opportunity before we get to the place of making decisions, taking votes or making the decisions, it gives us an opportunity to know where we are as a group. And so we're hoping that our delegates will get traffic light surveys given to them by their congregations so that they will have that information to bring with them to the annual conference assembly to continue the discernment process. Excellent. Excellent. And for delegates who are gathering this information, it's interesting how the traffic light survey shows gradation um, because the green, you know, we're thinking of our driving <laughs> patterns, right? The green means, yes, I feel okay about this going forward. The yellow is a sense of caution or apprehension. I mean, potentially this could go forward. And then the red is, no, I'm not comfortable with this particular decision going forward. So it gives, a, I think, a nice gradation of where people are. It gives more than just a yes or no. Right. It gives, yeah, right. I appreciated that. Um, with any weighty conversation and challenging conversation, there can be um, hard things. And I suppose I, I'd also like to ask, as you're thinking about ACA and going into ACA, what do you lament? And um, I don't want to just stop there, though, because I also know in hard conversations there's potential for um, growth, for deeper understanding, and for breakthroughs. So I also want to ask the second part of the question, what do you also celebrate as we go into ACA? And so maybe we could just take a minute to hear both what you lament and what you celebrate. I, I lament that no matter what decision is made at our annual conference assembly, um, it will most likely result in the loss of some congregations. I think that's when the strategic planning team in our last gathering before we gave the recommendations to the leadership team i think that's kind of it hit that we've done i think we've done some very good work there are no perfect solutions and so i think the reality struck that it could result in the loss of some congregations so i, I lament that um but i also ce i celebrate i celebrate god's presence and everything that we have done so far i don't think any of this is a surprise to god 
So I celebrate God's presence and God at work even when we don't recognize it. Most often is at work in the harder and difficult times. I celebrate the hard work of discernment by all our credentialed ministers and our delegates that has already taken place. I celebrate that we are going to have somewhere between 180 and 200 people gathering at our annual conference assembly, and that's the largest it has been in in quite a while, so I celebrate that. I celebrate that we'll be taking into membership the Akron Swahili Mennonite Church, something that many of our pastors and congregations have spent lots of time working with them and building relationships to get to this place. And I think that's something that we can celebrate at our upcoming annual conference assembly as well. I Thank you for sharing that. That was very meaningful for me. I think it was really helpful to hear there is a real challenge, but then also to hear too that that God is really present and, and at work. And I'm so grateful for the things that you mentioned to celebrate. And especially as one of the pastors that has gotten to know our partners in the Akron Swahili Mennonite Church, it is a tremendous blessing yes. to have them uh, yes. join with us. And then maybe just for a final question, as we move through our time together at the annual conference assembly, what are your hopes for what uh, life will be like for the conference and for things in general, after we're done with the annual conference assembly, moving forward. Whichever option the delegates choose is God's will in moving us forward. My hope is really the same. Um, My hope is that we move into the second year of the review process with our consultant and that we continue to discern God's vision based on our new mission statement that the delegates affirmed last year of gathering, equipping, and sending our people by the power of the Holy Spirit to live out God's greatest commandments and Jesus' great commission in their own communities. I hope that we can streamline our current structure um, so there isn't as much overlap in responsibilities and that we're not asking too much from some of our volunteers. My hope is that we will continue to grow in our knowledge of racism that exists in ourselves, in our congregations, our communities, and in the United States. And that not only do we continue to grow in our knowledge, but that we put that knowledge into action. My hope is that we will continue to grow in intercultural development. My hope is that we will continue to grow in fully recognizing women into pastoral ministry assignments both at conference level and in all of our congregations. My hope is that we will continue in being missional communities in all the places in Ohio and the surrounding states where God has placed us to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost, broken, and dying world. We can do lots of good things in our community. In fact, we are called to do good things in our communities. But ultimately, we are not the ones that are going to save the world. Jesus is going to save the world. Our primary calling as Christians is to point people to Jesus. And my hope and prayer is that we are already doing that and that we will continue to do that for the glory and honor of his name. Amen to that. I really appreciate the, the vision that you've just shared with us. And I share those hopes as well with you. And thank you for articulating that. And I just wanted to mention as we're closing that this year, annual conference assembly is going to look a little bit different because 
there will not be a missional workshop immediately preceding it, but this year, my understanding is the missional workshop has been scheduled for later the, with the Outward Church missional workshop at St. Francis Spirituality Center in Tiffin on Saturday, April 15th. Yes, yes. So that will be a, a, a new thing for us. Yes, and I think that's point. good in two ways. One is it gives people the opportunity to focus on what we want to focus on at the annual conference assembly. And then it also gives us the opportunity to do something different for the missional workshop and really try to get people that are really passionate about developing outreach opportunities in their own community to work together to uh, to be more missional in their own community. So I, I think separating those two things, I'm I'm hopeful that it'll be a very good a good move that we've made, at least especially for this year. I like that. Yes, and we want to thank all of the listeners who have joined us for this conversation. We appreciate you, and we will continue to be praying for you and the rest of our conference as we move towards our annual conference assembly. And also, I want to thank you again, Dick, for being on the podcast today and for sharing your thoughts about these questions. And we'd also like to thank our sound manager, Norm Sohar, for uh, facilitating today's podcast. So until next time, goodbye. Ohio people with Mennonite views, and they're going to give us some missional news. Ohio Conference Cast. Thank you for listening to another edition of Ohio Conference Cast. We would love to hear from you. Our email is ohioconferencecast at gmail.com. Ohio Conference Cast is brought to you by the Ohio Conference Leadership Team, along with Norm Sohar, sound engineer, Megan Sohar, voiceover, Ann Lehman, publisher, and our many guests and listeners. <laughs>